Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Welcome to the show, love. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm feeling pretty good. The last month has been a ride, but I feel like I'm coming out the other side. How are you doing? I feel you. (laughs) It's been a ride. Scorpio season of like death and rebirth and Mm. just like feeling all the things, going through all the things, which is so interesting because I kind of thought that like Libra season was a little bit like that. And I was like, Scorpio season, we're going to get shit done. We're going to be large (laughs) and in charge. And universe was like, no, baby, (laughs) we're going deep. So yeah, I feel you. I'm super excited that you're here today. Uh, For our listeners, Amber and I actually connected in a business mastermind this year. And we kind of bonded over our love of weird shit, like (laughs) aliens. And I mean, like, you know, all the cool things. And I love it because, um, yeah, like I loved finding that out about you because I so wouldn't have like assumed that from the surface, you know, like we have these surface level impressions of people based on their business and their brand and like how they kind of come across maybe on Instagram on like a first glance. And so then like, I found out that you were weird as fuck. And I was like, yes. (laughs) It's always nice to unite with the other ones who are on the same page. (laughs) Yeah. And it goes to show as well that, you know, there's so much beyond the surface of what our brand is and, um, you know, the first impressions that we have of people on Instagram. And then we get to connect more deeply with people and find out like all of these dimensions of the women that they are. So, yeah. Love it. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So your area of expertise is, well, why don't you tell the audience about it? Yeah. So for me, it's really around like any form of self-sabotage of food. So emotional eating, binging, binging and purging, full-blown food addiction, and the way that these behaviors impact us physically. So our hormone health, our gut health, our blood sugar, our cravings, mentally and emotionally, the ego, the shadow, the negative self-talk, the programming that, you know, we've received that, you know, pushes us into these behaviors and then how this impacts us energetically and spiritually. And ultimately the beautiful part about it is if we go through these experiences and we're willing to look at them and heal them, it really 
brings us, you know, so deep back into ourselves and such a deeper level of connection with our intuition and our gifts. And so that's really what I just absolutely love assisting women with because so many have been, or are, you know, struggling with this. Totally. I think probably every single woman that I've met or that I know, including myself has had some kind of hang up or some kind of distortion with their body, their image, uh, food, exercise, this kind of thing. And so I would be really curious to pick your brain on, you know, what are the roots of this? Mm-hmm. Why are we programmed in this way? Where does it start? Like, and also what kind of manifests into these deeper uh, patterns for people? Because obviously not everyone ends up having an eating disorder or, yeah. you know, to that extent. Yeah. And so I think there's some key pieces that really originate. And so number one is before your soul has even incarnated into this body, have you had past lives where you were a starving prisoner, where you went through really extreme trauma or abandonment, or it's just encoded in your, your DNA and you bring that into this lifetime. And because we get amnesia before we come here and a lot of us don't remember, we could have these behaviors just, you know, start to come out from past life experiences. So that's always something interesting to explore, but, you know, once our soul incarnates into our body, we, we don't remember, you know, that we're these powerful beings and these powerful souls and we're really targeted from a young age. Um, and part of it is the, the growing up, your family, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your, you know, the people you grow up with and how do they behave with food? What kind of limiting beliefs do they have around it? So are they telling you, you can't leave the table until you clear your plate, which is not teaching you how to become in tune with your hunger signal, but is actually encouraging overeating. Is it that your parents are dieting or your mom, you know, in particular, maybe is dieting and is always a negative self-talk. So you take that on, maybe you're put on diets at a young age. Um, So there's all that kind of diet programming that can come in. And then there's the perfectionist programming. So for kids who feel they're not heard, they feel like they're, you know, maybe a sibling is more favored. There's this urge to go, what can I do to be seen? And so the perfectionist mentality takes over, which is really an ego-based mentality. And then we end up thinking we need to do everything perfectly to get love and attention. And then we literally program ourselves and grow up with that kind of behavior. Same with people pleasing, right? Like, oh, if I, you know, just make my parents happy and everyone else happy, even if I suffer, like at least I get the validation and then I'll have a, you know, what seems like a feeling of worthiness, even though, you know, we can't, uh, we have to chase that constantly if we're looking outside of ourselves. So there's all of that from the familial. And then there's, you know, the television and the media and magazines and all the programming from that aspect of it. And when we constantly have images of fake Photoshopped women in our faces, and we are taught that that's real, um, we literally get the images just so asphyxiated in our mind. And then the, the caveat is, well, if I don't look like this, there must be something wrong with me. So now I need to diet. I need to exercise more. I need to restrict. I need to prove myself on an even higher level. And then we end up, you know, getting into diet addiction or, you know, thinking that that's the way to resolve all of this. And then we start bouncing back and forth between restriction, not being able to attain restriction, and then falling back into overeating or emotional eating to whatever level. But to me, the, that is the biggest influence is the programming and conditioning we receive from the, the upbringing familially and then the television, because 
it's so subliminal and it's so sneaky. Like I vividly remember growing up and watching movies where, you know, they're like, if you're not size one, three or five, like in Mean Girls, like you essentially suck. And like, you know, the popular crowd and how they start dividing people in movies, like, oh, the, the preps sit here, the nerds sit here. Like you don't realize how it seems so innocent, but the significant impact it can have on our psyche is huge. And then you see the woman get broken up with in the movie and she's surrounded by boxes of chocolate on her bed and ice cream and she's emotionally eating. And you think, oh, that's what I must do if I get hurt or something, you know, doesn't work out for me. But then you're like, how do I eat like that, but attain that kind of body, even though it's not real. Um, so I think that we're just sold so much of an illusion, but because we our, our subconscious is so attacked at a young age that we're not good enough. We are so conditioned to think that it's all about external. It's all about looks. It's all about, you know, everything external. And I'm all for looking good. Great. If you want to right? like, that's not a bad thing, but when we need that to try and fill a void that we're never going to fill, that's when it becomes a problem. So I feel like those are some of the things that really create these behaviors. And then they can just get worse as we continue on. And then I feel like there's different levels of emotional eating to kind of go to your second question. And I feel like part of it is it can be like you have a bad day and you eat a few pieces of chocolate, right? It's just, I'm stressed and this is going to help soothe me a little bit. And then there's the, I start eating and then I maybe can't stop and I lose control. So we're getting more into that kind of compulsive overeating. Um, and then the binge is really around like just eating to the point where you're so full, you feel sick. And for some people they may, may purge because it's really a lack of ownership and thinking I'll attain my weight if I do that. And then the food addiction is just really this constant obsession around food and constantly thinking about it. And I shouldn't eat this and I should eat this and the restriction and the calorie counting and the diets, but then the complete opposite of just like the cravings getting so intensive that you just like you would speed to the store. Like I used to speed to the store. I'd like make up excuses to leave parties and social gatherings to like get to the organic store before 9 PM so that I could get my organic sugared stuff instead of the regular grocery store. Cause my ego is trying to justify that it was a better choice. Right. Yeah. So the things we do when we have these behaviors, it can get pretty intensive. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's interesting what you were saying about the subliminal messages everywhere. Cause I always wondered about that. My parents are always like, from what I could discern, like really, you know, positive about food and, um, you know, they never did anything really crazy. Like what I would see some of my other friends, mom saying to them, I mm -hmm. remember like now I'm like, how could you say that to your daughter? Like knowing what I know now, um, obviously it's just their own like way of parenting from what they know. But I remember even as young as like eight years old, like scrutinizing my body and like thinking that I was fat and I look at videos and I'm literally, I look like a little chicken, like my legs are <laughs> so skinny. And I'm like, I remember then feeling like there was something wrong with me. Um, and then, you know, in Mean Girls, the movie that you mentioned, like the way that they make her not popular and not wanted is by making her gain weight. You know, it's, yeah. Um, when you start to unpick it, it's like, it's almost like overwhelming to think of all of these influences on people. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious to ask you something because I still don't fully really know like where I stand on this in terms of like a universal point of view, but what do you think about things like 
filters on Instagram because I feel like people are like super divided on this. Mm-hmm. I remember I opened the question to my audience once and it was like so polarizing because I, I use filters on Instagram. I have my own filter on Instagram and some people were just like, whatever, like it's fun, get over it. And some people were like, I think they're so damaging. They make me feel shit about myself. Like, what do you think about filters? Yeah, great question. So I'm, I'm neutral in the sense of like, I feel like if you're secure in yourself, it doesn't phase you at all. Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to have fun with this if I choose. And if I don't need it, I don't need it. Um, But I feel like at the same time, when it's to the point where women are taking photos of themselves with a filter to a surgeon to say, can you make my eyes bigger? Can you make my face look like this? Like that's a, that's where it's, there's, I think an unhealthy aspect to it. And my personal opinion is I don't think kids should have access to them because it's completely skewing and morphing like what their face looks like. And then again, this need to want to alter it. Like when little girls as young as five now are wanting to get surgery and like wanting to diet, like that's a serious concern. So I think it's all about discernment. And if you're insecure and you're feeling like you need to use them because you can't show your true face on social media, there's probably some inner work to do, but to get to the point where you can neutralize it. Yeah. So that's my response. Yeah. It's kind of a tricky one for me because it's like, for me, if, if they deleted all the filters off Instagram and there was none on my phone, like I wouldn't even think about it, you know, yeah. but they're there and they look cute. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Let's add some sparkles and a tan. Like who doesn't want to look like that? <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I jump on videos like this all day. There's no filter mm-hmm. on Zoom. It's like, it, it doesn't phase me because I don't struggle really with those issues anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, there is this awareness there for me of like, people look up to me and maybe there are people who struggle, who look at me, who then want to then use the filters or think that they need them. And so it's this kind of weird, um, that's why I'm not totally sure on it because it's like, on one hand, it's like fun and it's creative and it doesn't like destroy my life in any way. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a leader and how's that impacting other people? So I don't really have like a solid answer for it, but I was just really interested to ask your point of view, given that you're like, this is your zone of genius. Yeah, it's, I think it definitely can go one or two ways for sure. Yeah. Depending on the person. Yeah, totally. So I'm also keen to go down the avenue of talking about the energetics of food because a lot of the time, particularly even in like the fitness industry and people who are, you know, they're trying to be healthy, right? But they're talking just about like calories in, calories out, um, you know, eat this, uh, eat this plant-based fake meat, um, you know, do this. And the thing that sort of I always look at when I see that, because I'm trained as a health coach is like, yeah, but it's not just the quantity, it's the quality. Like, where did that food come from? There's a reason why, you know, your grandma's chicken soup tastes better than the one from the store. You know, it's made with love and intention and time. And like the integrity of the ingredients is, is, is different. And so I'd be really keen to hear your view on that, but also how that plays into some of these deeper patterns that people have, whether like being really restrictive or disordered with their eating. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the biggest scams we've been sold is calories in calories out. Um, because it's that literally doesn't dictate anything. And the calories in a, a pack of candy or the fake meat bur burger patty are going to be completely different than that of like something from nature. And so um, again, we've been so heavily conditioned that the way you fix your weight or you fix your health is to diet and that weight loss fixes everything when it's just one really small piece of the puzzle. Um, and so what really dictates what our bodies need are, are our hormones, where are our hormones at? Um, and that's like a whole conversation in itself. But, you know, a lot of people go, I need to do high fat, high protein. But then if you have adrenal fatigue, that's the worst thing you can do for cortisol. That's too high or too low. And you make that worse. Um, so this is where we need to expand our like awareness and open up to really learning about what are the current imbalances going on in my body, my stress levels, my frequency, my sleep, because that's going to really um, dictate more of maybe what we need more of and maybe a bit less of. And that our bodies are always a changing. So when we get attached to, oh, I just need to find the seating style and this one thing. And then once I figure it out, that's all I'm going to need. That doesn't work like that. Like there may be small tweaks and changes that you make with food for the rest of your life. Um, but I really think with, you know, this, this diet culture, the, ca the calories, what it really does is it, it gets us conditioned again. So here's another level of conditioning. We're conditioned that if we follow these rules, cause that's what they are. They really are rules and restrictions eat this way, follow this diet, follow this meal plan, follow this eating style. And if you stick to X, Y, Z, you will achieve the desired result, which is usually weight loss. And then, but you have to be perfect, right? So then we're conditioned into the perfectionist mentality, really an all or nothing mentality, which is I'm going all in. I'm going to be hundred percent on this eating style or diet. And then when we fail, we completely shut down. We get so hard on ourselves. And then we go back to overeating rebellion. I'm going to eat whatever I want, binge eating, whatever it is. And so when we get into that behavior, it really drains us energetically because we're being so hard on ourselves, the guilt, the hopelessness, the anger, the frustration, the sadness that I can't believe I did that again. But then the shiny marketing, you know, gets us every time of like, we, we get to this level of desperation of unworthiness of hopelessness. And these big companies know how to feed off of our vulnerability and desperation. So they throw out the next eating style, the next diet, they get all these celebrities and influencers to promote them. So if we're putting people on pedestals, we're going to go, well, they did it and it, they're preaching it. So of course I'm going to trust them and their discretion and, and do that thing. Um, and so when our frequencies at our lowest, they know how to pull us in. And it's, to me, it's not just seeing a pretty page or a, a photo of someone who's lost weight. There's specific frequencies being emitted from these videos, these photos, these images, these ads um, on purpose to pull us down and to um, compromise our field and to insert certain symbols and, and things into our field to pull us in and to keep us in what is a loop mm. to keep in the behavior. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why it feels so difficult to get out of it is because of these frequencies that keep pulling us back in and it almost can become like an addiction to like feel sad and then go, Ooh, here's the next exciting thing. Oh my gosh. Look at the results. It promises you pull out your credit card, you type it in, you buy, you're like, this is going to be the thing. And you have that <laughs> dopamine hit. Right. And then you're so excited and you, you get all ready to do it and you get a week into it and you freaking fail all over again. And then the cycle just right? Repeats yeah. itself. And so it's so much deeper than people realize, because it's not just that you suck and you have no willpower and 
like the energetics that are emitted to manipulate you subconsciously and energetically are so significant, but we're not taught about this. Um, and it's also put into the food. There's symbols put into the food. There's negative frequencies put into the food to keep us addicted, to keep us craving, to keep us buying. Um, and people don't know about that. And I think that's really important to give some reassurance that it's not you. It's the system has been set up to, to pull people so deep into this that they never get out of it. Um, so I feel like that's a huge part of it. And then, um, it is, it's really about the quality. So something that's made in a lab is never going to be as nourishing as something that comes from nature. And it's, you know, everyone eats differently. Some people can't afford to eat organic. So be it like to me, food and investing in the quality of food is one of the most valuable things for me to spend my money on, because I don't want all the junk in my body. Um, but it makes a big difference in that fake meat burger. Yeah. Fair enough. If you're plant-based, but, uh, something with 35 ingredients that were GMO'd and made in a lab by our, not my not so favorite guy, Bill Gates versus, you know, um, you know, <laughs> making something yourself. It just like, it's completely different. And I guarantee you, they have emitted all kinds of garbage frequencies into that to lower your frequency, because the lower your frequency is the easier it is for you to be manipulated mind controlled, brainwashed, and just stay in, in fear and worry and anxiety. And then you, big pharma makes a lot of money off of that too. Right. Yeah. So quality is the key over, you know, the rest and the body wants whole foods. The body really wants whole foods. And if we're eating things that nourish the body, like we're not going to gain weight. It's all the self-sabotage. It's all the chemicals and toxins. It's the stress, the overbooked schedules from the people pleasing and the perfectionism. It's the hormone imbalances, the inflammation, the negative self-talk. It's all of these things that cause the weight gain, that cause the physical imbalances, the emotional imbalances. That's what we need to look at. It's not all just the food. Yeah, totally. I love that you brought in that piece of like, uh, you know, corporations controlling for profit, because I think that that, like, I don't see anyone in the food freedom and like body autonomy sort of space ever talking about anything like that. And like, this is an extreme example, but if you look at North Korea, they literally don't give the people food. So people are starving. And the reason mm -hmm. that they do that is so that no one will uprise and overthrow the government. So they're like, yeah. they're not allowed to grow their own food. They have no access to food or money or electricity. And so they literally have to go and like catch rats and eat rats so that no one will overthrow the government. So that's like the polar extreme, but you think about it from like the position of a corporation that's making billions of dollars. They don't want to give up that power. And so like, what's the easiest way to control people hit them in their survival mechanisms. And like food is the ultimate control and survival mechanism. Yeah. Is it ever? It really is. And that's why it's so important for us to understand where our food comes from and to try to support the local farmers who put so much care into the food because people like this, there's a generation that doesn't even know where the food's coming from. I went to the grocery store one day and the girl was probably like 16, 17, and she didn't know what half the fruits and vegetables were that I was buying. And I obviously that's been done on purpose because they don't want people to, you know, understand that you can grow food and that, that we don't need to necessarily rely on these big companies for anything. Um, and I think yeah. that we should go back to more like everyone should have a garden and 
you know, more local support because that's why we've gotten into this mess is because we gave too much of our power away to big corporations, thinking the government's going to take care of everything, thinking pe these people with all this power care about us. They don't give a crap about anybody but themselves, right? So that's why we're here to take our power back. Yeah. Yeah. So many, you know, synchronicities with what's like happening on a global scale yep. in general right now, like trying to control people's bodies and mandate things. But mm -hmm. I haven't seen one government campaign teaching people to take vitamin D, to get yep. in the sun, to hug people, like which is hugely important energetically, emotionally, physically for our health. Yep. Like none of that has been advertised. All that's been advertised is like, here's how we're going to control year yeah oh yeah and it's funny because i used to do media segments every month multiple times a month on all the channels here and last spring they said yeah the the head of the studios are banning all na uh, natural health segments so we're not going to be able to have you back and even in the end when i was doing the segments they're like you can't say this you can't say this oh and if you want to talk about vitamins you have to tell show proof of studies studies and i'm just like screw this like I'm not going to be censored. I'm not going to point to studies. I know what I know. I have more than enough proof that it works. And it was just really interesting to see that already starting. And then they just cut it all off. So it's very, very much a lot of censorship in those realms. Crazy. I find it so interesting how it's like you're considered a radical person when you just give a fuck about what is going in your body. Yeah like yeah. or that you're selfish and yeah. it's like the people who deeply care about what goes in their body they actually typically are the people who care about the planet who yeah. they don't want to put that stuff in their body because they also care about the chemicals that are going into yeah. the environment right because yeah. we're not if we're consuming chemicals we're also emitting those chemicals out through our waste right through our waste system yes. and you know, it's, it's like the world has gone topsy turvy and it's like, I know you feel the same. I just like, sometimes want to just like go out in the street and just like shake people and hand them a pamphlet and be like, <laughs> let's start a, let's start a commune. You yeah. can dig a well, you can grow the, you know, the crops. Yeah. Um, but it's just, uh, crazy the way that we haven't been taught these things and you know it's like a privilege to learn about these things as well because you have to do your own research and you have, have mm -hmm. to have access to that kind of knowledge and information because it's, it's literally censored like yeah. the natural immunity hashtag is censored on instagram yep yep <laughs> I, it's insane. I know I've had colleagues that own like superfood stores and are naturopaths and they make a little YouTube video and it gets taken down the next day. So it, it really is so strong. And I think it's on the other side of it though, what it's doing is it's helping us go, okay, like, no, like I should have always had this power to, you know, take care of myself and learn to understand what my body needs and to become in tune and aware because the, the awareness has been so stripped away from us because we're not taught in school. Our parents likely weren't in tune, maybe some were, but we, my parents were never in tune. Right. And it's innocent that things that were passed on to me, um, but all that was purposefully not given to us so that, you know, we could end up these disempowered people who completely give their power away to people they have never met in their lives. And just, you know, we think that it's normal to have a nine to five, you know, work five, six days a week and barely get by when again, like we're not these dumb little human beings, like we're significant, but we've been so conditioned 
that that's the way life is when it's not. And so I think this is the, the awakening and this is, you know, what is going to shift the world around. And we came here to assist and to remember and, and help others. And I think it's, whilst it's the most insane time to be alive, it is the most exciting time to be here um, because nothing can stop, stop what's happening, which is so exciting. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, what's been lost and this kind of speaks into, you know, the different things that we've been speaking about is like this deep reverence for wellness and taking care of mm-hmm. yourself and your body, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the prevalence of diseases and viruses mm-hmm. like depend on that, you know, yeah. they depend on people honoring their bodies, taking care of their bodies as a way of also taking care of your community you know, as a way of also taking care of the environment, Um, as a way, like you can't take care of your body and not care about the planet. Do you know what I mean? so true, exactly. It's like, if you you care about, um, you know, the water you're drinking, if you see the food that you're eating as like, it's almost like you're putting something on the altar, you know, like to, to go that far, like, you're you're treating it with that much respect you you also treat like the land you live on and the world you live in with that respect because you know that the land feeds you you know that the land like holds you this is like our beautiful planet we're not separate to it I think it's like Mm -hmm. this huge separation from the natural world is literally killing people yeah um and maybe even leading to some of these patterns that we've been talking about where like women just typically see their bodies as objects you know, for, for the gaze to be looked at, to look a certain way versus like seeing it as like this organism that you get to, you know, live your truth through. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the other things that really fuels the patterns is having all these symptoms, like horrible PMS symptoms, being bloated all the time, brain fog, fatigue, your sex drives low, your cravings are through the roof, you're irritable. And when you keep going to your doctor who we've been conditioned as God, and they keep saying, <laughs> oh, it's all in your head. Oh, you're too young to have any hormone imbalances. Oh yeah. Like after 30, like you're just going to gain weight. You're, you're just going to have all these issues happen. Like the, the limiting beliefs that are planted into our minds. And then we believe it if we're not empowered with our health, because we're taught that it, you know, the more symptoms you have, the more upset you are. And then you lose respect for your body. You lose respect for the earth and all of these things, because you just feel absolutely miserable and you're essentially told to accept it. And it's so interesting because I would say, you know, with my clients, I always do blood work and looking at hormones and um, inflammation and all that stuff. And like, I'd say 65% of my clients go to their doctor to get the test done and they refuse to do the tests or half the test. And so I started just sourcing it myself. Cause I'm like, we need this information and the doctor's giving all these excuses why they don't need it and why it's all in their head. And sure enough, we do the tests and there's like all these significant imbalances in it, but it's a reassurance because the women's friend was like, oh my God, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew there was something going on and they're so grateful. And then they heal. And then that appreciation comes back for the body, the earth and everything. But like when you're literally put on the runaround and pretty much, you know, judged and told you're crazy or that you don't have the right to know what's going on in your body. Like, obviously the medical system is just as corrupt as everything else, but it's it's just kind of 
shocking to the level of which we can be treated by our primary healthcare <laughs> provider when, you know, we just want to find out what's going on in the body. Um, so that's like one thing that I feel like just really will impact the mood and, and the frequency is, is when we're just, we, we're just on this decline of feeling unwell, but no one is advocating for us. And I think that's such an important thing is, you know, dig and find people who will advocate for you on whatever level you're desiring healing, because it's someone will help you, you just got to find them. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it's like, it's the system as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not, you know, like doctors aren't bad and like Western medicine has so many awesome things. You know, I think sometimes people like to be really extremist about it. They're like, either you can like have your essential oils, but don't come to the doctor if you're like, (laughs) you've been in a car accident. And it's like, you you can like have different resources for different things. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to trust the mechanic to fix my car. I'm not going to go to him like for a therapeutic session. It's like, you can you can source different information through different channels but I think there's just like this really binary viewpoint particularly like at the moment where it's like only trust science only trust doctors only do this and like yeah some of the most powerful healers that have helped and impacted me on my journey have been people who have been ridiculed you know and told that what they're doing is like invisible and not real and snake oil and it's like well Mm -hmm. my lived experience tells another story so like do you have a scientific study for my lived experience because like you know yeah um so I think it's like it's it's good for people to hear that you know to hear like you can get different um kinds of healing from different people you know yeah agreed agreed Exactly. And there's a place for everything. Like when my appendix exploded, I went to the hospital, I had to get it taken out. Right. Like, but it's just that if you're feeling disempowered and you're constantly going back to get the same answers over and over again from the same person and nothing's changing, it's time to explore different avenues and, and have a team of angels that, you know, can help you on every level, because it's the same with me. I didn't get much support in that realm. It was all the holistic realms and the healing realms and, yeah, I think it's just so important for us to trust our intuition. And if it's going, something's off, something's wrong, keep digging and keep going until you again, get the answers that you need to realign so that you can, you know, build that self-love and and feel the confidence and feel connected with your body. And then that obviously ripples out into the world and, and everything else that you give as, as a human on this earth in the collective. Mm, totally love it. My question for you is do you think that there is an emotional root cause or trauma beneath every eating disorder? Yes, 100%. And I think to me, what it comes down to is unworthiness. Like that's the root every time. Yes, the trauma could be different. Someone could have been assaulted or attacked. Someone could have like been abandoned or had to have moved, but it, it still comes down to this, like, oh, it must have, must have happened to me because I'm not good enough. I'm not unworthy. Um, and so then this unworthiness actually fuels the unhealthy relationship with food because we keep being conditioned that, well, if I look a certain way, if I behave a certain way, I will get validation from other people and that will, you know, falsely feed my worth, but then we have to chase that for forever. And because we're in unhealthy behaviors, it keeps the unworthiness void just as big and it doesn't help us actually go within and heal the relationship with food. So that's why I think it's so important for us to 
look at, you know, what triggers us to feel unworthy, what may have happened in our lives that really was a significant um, point in our lives where we started to feel that way um, and start to work on healing that like inner child work is great energy work, body talk. There's so many different um, modalities that can help us heal and fill that void and, and step into worthiness. But that to me is, is the core for sure. Yeah, totally. I often think about back in like my sort of late, very late teens, early twenties, I had like quite a few disordered patterns with things. Like I used to take a lot of laxatives and I would um, take like ADD medication because it restricts your appetite. And like all my friends would do it. We would do it to study, but we'd also do it to like drop a ton of weight because you just don't want to eat because it's basically speed, right? And I remember that I would get like so thin, like I must've been like 20 kilos less than what, what I weigh now. And when I would get there, it was like, people would then like comment on it um, or like compliment me and be like, you looked great. And it's like, that's what I was actually seeking. I was seeking someone to see me and to be like, you're good. Right. That's the validation for sure. And when you're treated differently, when you lose weight versus when you gain a bit, like it's, it's shocking that society is so superficially asphyxiated on noticing when someone loses weight, but we're also conditioned to compliment people when they lose weight and to not really say anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's such a focus around it. I totally can relate to you and like completely messed up my whole digestive system by taking too much magnesium and like to lose weight really fast too. And like, it just, it's shocking the things we will do to get that external validation when we don't know we can give it to ourselves and that that's all we need. Um, like we'll put our bodies through hell and back. Yeah. For what, right. A compliment. And then you go home and then you stand in front of the mirror and you pick yourself apart for an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's just such a vicious cycle. And I have so much compassion for the women who have been through and are going through because it is, it literally consumes your whole world. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So much compassion. And um, I don't know about you, maybe you could share, but like for me, my journey of like emotionally healing, it actually, I actually focused on food first, even though I had PTSD and I was like dealing with like a lot, a lot. I started with like, okay, food is like an easy thing for me to like begin with kind of like how it's like an easy thing to begin with when you feel out of control it's like and it was like an easy thing for me to begin with to heal so I would like ask myself every day like if I deeply respect and love myself what would go in this smoothie today you know and then I would like put all the things in I wouldn't count the calories and then I would like say I love you and like drink it um even though I like kind of didn't mean it like and um like over time, it just like, it just gets momentum, you know, and you start to like trust yourself and feel really good. And then, and then that leaches out into like, okay, well, how else can I love and respect myself? Like what other decisions and choices are going to make me feel, you know, whole and complete as I am. Um, So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think, for me, it was really the first thing was understanding 
that I was addicted to these foods that literally were exciting the same part of my brain as heroin. So like the refined sugar, the gluten in the wheat that I was eating, the casein in the dairy. Like when I learned this, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like it was a huge relief to understand those aspects. And then, yeah, get in the kitchen and start trying alternative ingredients and better quality ingredients. That was very powerful. And I, same with blessing the food and loving it. Like you don't really fully feel it at first, but it, it clicks because as you build these new habits and the, you step into these new identities, you build these new neural pathways in the brain of, of who you really are and the old ones unwire. And I think that was like the second biggest aha as I was healing was, okay, the more I repeat a pattern, even if it doesn't serve me, the stronger the pattern gets in my brain. And so when I'm sitting down and I turn on, on the show and my brain's all of a sudden like, you need food. That's why, because I kept repeating these patterns and, and associating certain things together. So I think that was another big aha for me was, you know, breaking apart these old neural pathways and creating new ones through self-care routines, through, you know, journaling, meditating, tapping and different things like that to help me break that up. Because that was one of the diff most difficult parts was to interrupt the pattern and not just give into it. Um, but food was a super important part. And then so was the emotional aspect of it's safe to just sit and feel my feelings because I was petrified to just sit and feel fear or sadness or whatever it was, because I'd always use food to cope. Um, and so sitting and just feeling and being kind to myself and compassionate toward it and having my own back, it let me know that I, I didn't need to go and use food anymore. And all of that just really helped, um, to slow down the frequency to which it was happening and understanding what triggered. That was the other big thing is like, if I don't get what's triggering me, how do I give myself what I really need? Um, and there's so many different triggers. Like again, we're conditioned that it's, oh, if you're sad, you'll eat ice cream. And it's like, no, boredom, happiness, sadness, anger, stress, you know, cravings, hormone imbalances, so many things will fuel triggers. So um, I think, yeah, that was the beauty of going on the journey is the physical aspects, the emotional aspects, and then the intuition kicked in and the the spiritual aspects started to kick in. Um, and I think it's just so beautiful. It's not beautiful when people struggle with any kind of suffering, but it really is a, a beautiful opportunity to look at it, to work through it, because it helps you come home to yourself and settle into your body on a deeper level, build a more loving relationship with yourself, become in tune, take your power back with your health and, and accessing that the spiritual part of who we are, which is so significant. I think it's just, it's such a gift. Our bodies yeah. are teachers. Emotional eating is a teacher. I totally agree. It's like, I used to just be addicted to so many things, but I remember I would like try and connect to this timeline or this version of myself in the future who like no longer struggled with these things. Mm -hmm. And this version of me it's like me now is like the guardian angel for that version of me and I'd be like okay yeah. she exists right she exists so like what would she do now okay only one cigarette not 10 <laughs> um, or like okay only you know only one glass of wine not like a whole bottle of vodka only you mm. know only this this and this and so um, I think that that's like really beautiful you know to 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 vision yourself on the other side like yeah. on, on the new timeline and just think about like, okay, I'm going to get that, you know, step yeah. by step by step. A hundred percent. I agree. And we can all do it. It's not just certain people that are here and special. Like we all have the, the capability and the power to do it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh my goodness. 
So amazing to talk to you. And uh, where can our, our listeners find you, love? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. I'm going to start a telegram too. Decided to do that. It's going to be fun. Um, and then my website is amberapproved.ca. I have an emotional eating quiz there if people are curious that they're struggling and if you want to connect, I'm happy to have a conversation. And then I have my podcast, which you're going to be on here right away too, which is the No Sugar Coding Podcast, available everywhere. Amazing. Cool. Well, send me these links. We'll pop them in the show notes for everyone so they can access. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom in all of the ways. It's really cool to hear someone who does what you do speak about everything from such a holistic perspective, because like, I don't see anyone else in your industry talking about like frequency and energetics and aliens and past lives and like, you know, just understanding like all of the ways that these things manifest. I think like what you're doing is very integrative and really powerful. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.